0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside Physician Recruiting. My name is Jerry LaMonta, and my guest today is Eric Sedwick, who is the System Director of both physician and APP recruitment with Premier Health in Ohio. Eric, welcome aboard. Great to have you with us.
1: How are you doing, Jerry? It's nice to be here. So,
0: you know, the first question I have given I've never met anybody who, you know, really wanted to
1: to grow up and aspire to be in this recruiting role. How did you get into recruiting? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, I did an internship my senior year of college and I did it with a staffing company. And at that time it was staffing for Light Industrial and Clerical. I had no idea what it entailed. I got into it and uh, I had two degrees. I had a degree in psychology and a degree in business management. And I thought, wow, what not a better field to tie the two together? <laughs> And to do business, get to know people, their personalities, and it just gelled for me. And I've, uh, as I've mentioned to you before, I've been in it now for 28 years. Wow. Well,
0: tell us a little about your current role with Premier. What, what do you sort of
1: oversee? What does a you know typical day look like for you? Sure. So I am responsible for, as you'd mentioned earlier, all the physician and APP recruitment for the system. Uh, That entails I've got nine direct reports that are throughout our five campuses and our network. Uh, That is all of the physician recruitment for our employed companies and also providing support for some of our private and independents, including all the employed APPs. Uh, Our department's also responsible for the medical staff development plan that we do every three years, uh, and I'll say other duties assigned. But we are uh, are involved from the the very start from either – Posting of ads, mass emails, warm calling, cold calling, networking—you name it, Jerry. We're involved in all of it. To the on-site visits, the follow-ups, the background checks, all the way to the contract negotiations.
0: Do you guys get involved on the managing of the locum tenants piece as well, or is it something that
1: doesn't really? We we have that as well. We've got the locum tenants. Uh, we are the. Uh, the I guess you could say the the gatekeeper to that. We are involved in the contracts with our legal department. We do the introductions. We do all the approval of the uh, rates, invoices. Uh, but when it comes to time cards, we work in conjunction with the operations director responsible for that specialty.
0: And given you know kind of the lay of the land right now, what would you say are the most difficult specialties to find providers in?
1: For us uh, personally, we've we've been, uh, gosh, we've been trying to recruit for vascular surgery. It's been challenging for us. It took us many years to complete our team of seven neurosurgeons. So it was challenging, but we finally have, uh, found success here in the past 12 to probably 18 months. Uh, but the bottom line is it's just competitive out there, Jerry. The supply and demand, uh, you know, coming out of COVID and how that, Slowed things up a lot and, and really uh, took a hit on some budgets. It's, it's been an interesting twist the last two, three years. Yeah, I actually put a post on LinkedIn the other day, just
0: kind of throwing a thought out there. But it's interesting because you have less providers. You have providers that are leaving. You've got seemingly every year there's more and more firms out there. So at, at some point, the margins of those firms are going to shrink while at the same time the cost to the healthcare systems are going up. So it's it's interesting, and uh, I'd love to fast-forward five years and see where this all shakes out.
1: I, I would, too. And, you, and yeah. you everything you just said is dead on.
0: So given, you know, obviously 28 years in the business, I, I can't imagine everything you've seen, but maybe just since your, your role where you are now, what's changed the
1: most? Would you say what's changed most in the last five years, or would you say what's changed the most since I got into the, the business to today?
0: So I would say both, because I, I do want to hear sort of the big picture of since you've been in the business, and then almost separate to that, sort of what impact has COVID had? Because I know that's really been like a, you know, a line in the sand of a whole new world for most people.
1: Without a doubt, I'll I'll simplify the the first answer. Since I've been in the business, I remember walking into my desk for the first time out of college into the third party world with a Rolodex and Yellow Pages. And uh, I I was like, wow, and a telephone. Here you go, start making calls. Um, You planned every day, everything was handwritten. Um, So if you just imagine from that 28 years ago to today, just the resources and technology is phenomenal. texting everybody and and just just what we have at our hands it's it, it's it's dramatically changed in that aspect now in the last five years i would say it's even done that uh, on steroids if you will because we were forced through covid to, we weren't able to go into the hospital we weren't able to do our on-site visits where we have the physician ride with us and we spend the day with them everything got changed for us to predominantly ms teams calls everything was video um and I, I, I've seen that happen over the last three, four years with us where it's changed the mindset of everything, meaning, you know, half my team works remote half the time. Um, when you look at the hospital system, so many departments are looking remote. We've, had, we've not had to use the, the building space, the office space like we have to. But it's also affected our budgets to the point where we would bring somebody in person for an on-site or we'd bring them back in for a second. We've had to truly evaluate those Teams calls to really drill down to figure out who we're going to spend our money on for travel cost, the on-site visits, and really narrow that pull down even more so than it is now with the supply and demand, as you mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that the use of those Teams calls, I think it allows you to, you know, operate at a larger scale as well, you know, because obviously there's a lot of time and cost that goes in with coordinating those site visits and, you know, plans change, it it would seem that that technology would allow you to at least get in front of more people and then, like you said, kind of narrow it down to see, okay, who are the ones that really are a good fit for us and, you know, we're really a good fit for them as well. So what what would you say is the most difficult
1: part of your job? I say this often in meetings, so it's it's interesting you ask this question. Recruiting is a piece of the pie. We are so reliant on that entire process to go well when we bring in a physician for an interview. So, I don't believe everybody really truly understands the time that recruiters put in on the backside, whether it's the calls, the follow-ups. Keeping a temperature check on other opportunities that the physician has. The time when they come in on the on-site visit. For us, we spend the entire day with them. We block our calendars. But the key on that, Jerry, is, again, we're a part of that. So when they go into every interview they have, whether it's with the practice or the executives or whatever it may be, we have one shot sometimes. And they've got five or six different opportunities, and we have one shot to. to convey that that same message and why we are a good organization to to choose and why this community is a great community to serve and live in. And if you don't have all those cylinders working, all that work you did on the the front side is for naught.
0: And there's so
1: many people involved, you
0: know, I mean, it's almost like you're the quarterback. You can go out and go to shows and call and email and do all these things to generate interest but you're constantly keeping that process moving forward. And there's so many people that are also touching it with, you know, interviews and site visits and all that, that, you know, if one person drops the ball or if something gets slowed down, like you said, you might be the best opportunity. But if another opportunity for them is moving forward a lot faster and they seem to like it, a lot of times you could lose somebody just because, you know, people are maybe, you know, bottlenecked in the different pieces of the puzzle, like like you mentioned. Exactly. What would you say is your favorite thing about your role?
1: Without a doubt, it's it's the relationships. I um, from the minute I went into that internship when I was in school and realized um, this was me. I get to meet new people. I get to to learn new things about people, why they choose the field, uh, backgrounds of individuals. I love it, um, and I would say it was probably one of the challenging parts when COVID hit was. Uh, you know teams calls it's part of the of what we are it's the present it's the future but gosh i love the in-person interaction and the relationship building and um and and the thing that you have to develop in this business too that you learn over time is you got to have thick skin you're going to hear the no's. you're going to get the turn downs but you can't stop you just got to be persistent and and continue to move forward but i love the relationship building I have to tell you,
0: it's definitely been nice the last couple of years with trade shows starting to get active again, Mm -hmm. you know, especially working from home. So many people, it's like you lose connection to what you're doing. You know, you're you're on the phone, you're on your computer, but you almost wonder, like, you know, are there people really out there doing this and, and, you know, communicating? And it's great that, you know, with these trade shows to get out there again and start seeing people and, you know, on your side, obviously to start getting people back into the facility for tours and all that. So hopefully we never have to experience that again, but it definitely, I think, made us appreciate sort of, you know, what we had before. You kind of touched mm-hmm. on it a little at the end there, but what would you say are some of the key ingredients to, you know, someone becoming a great recruiter?
1: Um. Again, I you've got to – you know, you always hear about the IQ or the EQ, um, the social skills, the ability to communicate. The the follow-up is 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 very important. I can't tell you how many times that um, we've had candidates say, just appreciate that you got back with me, whether there's interest or not. You never want to burn a bridge because you never know if they're going to come back. Um, but it is the relationship building, the follow-through, and the persistence. Like I said, I've over my time of being a recruiter, whether it was the third-party world or or internal. I've had my share of O's, I've put a lot of work and time into it. And sometimes you sit back and say, why? But then all of a sudden you do the same exact thing. And then the next week you get two hires. You just got to be persistent and understand that um, and formulate your own scripts and how you talk to individuals. I was very fortunate to have a couple mentors when I got into the business that said, you know, pick up the core things that you see work for us or we're successful with, but always formulate your own. Be yourself and then build upon that. And over the years, I've done that, and all those that I've trained have done the same thing. I'm like, look what works, but, but customize it to your style, and then move forward. So conversely, what,
0: I mean, imagine over all your time, you've, you've worked with a lot of people that, you know, didn't ultimately, you know, make it in the industry. What would you say are some of the things that they were doing or some just common mistakes that recruiters make that,
1: really just kind of hurt their ability to kind of connect the dots. I say there was a few items. A, planning is so important in this business. You've got to have a plan. Um, I, I know that, the, that my team every week before the week starts, we know exactly what our, our plan is. Things do change, but you got to have preparation. Again, you got to be persistent. Uh, unfortunately, those that can't take some consecutive no's to get to the yes, tend to quit too early, and it's unfortunate. Um, the follow-up, follow-through is important because people know that you're, you're, you're giving them the information They're going to go back to you You want to build that level of trust um, But you got to have the passion for it i got to tell you, it, this business is not meant for everybody, Jerry uh, It really isn't And you're going to know once you get into it And I'll tell you for myself Once I got into it for, I think it was maybe the three or four year mark There was no turning back I can't imagine myself doing anything else but you see a lot of individuals get in it for a year or two and they know they just can't. It's just not meant for them. Um, But once it's in your blood, you just can't get rid of it. And that's where I'm at in my my career. Yeah, it is
0: true. You you tend to see that either people kind of get in for a year or two or they're there forever, you know?
1: That's
0: right. So one of the things I, I, I see a lot is that, you know, this physician recruiting role, like you mentioned, there's so many things you have to do and it's such a complex process mm-hmm. and unfortunately a lot of people aren't given the resources that they probably need to effectively do that job and just manage all that it, it just becomes tough to be successful and i think what it does is it leads a lot of people to be reactive you know they're they're kind of just dealing with the fire or the hot job of the moment and you're they're, you're never able to set up a consistent plan to consistently generate candidates and you know, all the specialties. And it's, it's almost like a need is in this specialty. Okay, let's go out and do some work on it and try to get some candidates for that. And then a new need pops up. And I think the people that are successful are the ones, like you said, that really have a plan, work that plan. Of course, there's always going to be fires that arise, but the ability to know and plan out what you're doing and stick to that consistently is a, is a big differentiator that I've seen.
1: You know, Jerry, one more thing I'll throw into that 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 I've learned over time is this is not a eight to five, nine to six job. The the one other thing I'll tell you that's helped uh whether myself was success in the business or, or others that I've that I've seen successful is you gotta be flexible. Not everybody can take the call during the core hours of the day. Not everybody's gonna respond to the email during the core hours. And and like it or not, this job is can be early mornings. It could be evenings. It could be wherever it could be. You've got to make yourself available. And I'm yeah. not saying you're working 24-7, but I'm just saying if you're not flexible, it's going to be yeah. very difficult for you to be successful. So
0: you mentioned earlier all the you know, different tools we have now with technology and how much that's changed the game with you know mass texting and emailing. What's your favorite tool that you sort of find the most success with on a consistent basis? Is it trade shows, job boards, calling, emailing,
1: residency shows, something else? You know, for us, it's it's been, um, you know, we, we probably have similar resources as everyone else. I mean, practice link has been very good for us and whether it's ad posting or, or mass emailing, but association sites and, you know, we've got an academic affiliate here, at Wright State University. So uh, I can tell you that um, I, I tried for years, Jerry, to get a dedicated resident and fellow recruiter in my department. And after probably three years, uh, five years ago, I was allowed to do it. And it's changed the world for us in our department as well. So I've got somebody that's constantly building relationships, not with our, just with our own residency and fellowship programs with our academic affiliate, but also within the tri-state and the region, which has been a great pipeline for us.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that, the earlier you can get in front of people, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, you never know what can come of it. So if exactly. you could invent any tool, you know, obviously with technology and AI and all this stuff going on now, it's probably not far off from happening anyway. But if you could invent any tool to help you become a more effective recruiter, whether that's finding more candidates or maybe speeding up that process of the onboarding, what do you think
1: you, you would do? Gosh, it would be two things, and I think they're already out there, and we just haven't got to them yet. But with our applicant tracking systems, it would be nice to not have to spend so much time populating anything. Everything would be automatic. And, again, I'm sure that's there, and we haven't got to it in terms of the one we use. But also it would be an, it would be something that would simplify our processes from start to finish, whether it's through the interview process to, you know, sometimes the contract that used to really – cost us on on physicians is the the, the contract process would drag out yeah. so long, it just, uh, the candidate would take another opportunity. So to me, it's all about efficiency, uh, simplicity to the point we don't miss out on legalities of the process. But if we could figure out how to make processes more efficient and the tools to have it, I would be ecstatic. And again, they may be out there. It's just the ATSs and things we use now still quite aren't there.
0: You know, it's interesting because there's so much technology out there, there probably is a solution for everything, but it comes down to finding it, you know, learning what's the best one, training on it, and the problem with all that is I've never met a physician recruiter that has extra time to do that, so That's it's true. really hard because it's like, you know that if, if I can only get a couple of these tools and put them in place, it's probably two steps back, but... I can go 10 steps forward, it's just hard to do that when you're, you know, you've got a candidate coming in and the phone's ringing and the email's going off and there's always something going on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So 28 years, obviously, lots changed. If you put your cap on and kind of look to the future, 10 years from now, what does that role look like? Why is it different? How is it? you know, better, more
1: effective maybe? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I, you know, I'm biased to this, but I always believe you're gonna have to have somebody that's managing the process. Um, So I believe there'll be always somebody managing the process. The question I'm gonna have is, will you always need the amount of individuals that are involved in that process where somebody's overseeing it and everything's automated? More of it's automated, more of it's streamlined. You look at uh, so many different other areas that you could do a uh, managed uh, recruitment process and have somebody overseeing it and everything's coming into the system. All you're doing is pushing it out and making making sure everything's adhering to the policies or the the, uh, rates and everything else. So I think 10 years from now, a lot of it's going to be automated and you're going to have less people involved and just a few key stakeholders that oversee it for your system.
0: Yeah, I think in general and probably every career we're moving towards where, you know, AI, machine learning, robotics, automation, all that is, it's going to, you know, completely change everything. And it hopefully is going to be more where there are people sort of overseeing, like you said, and making sure those things are happening and sort of laying out the groundwork and the plan. And then all of that sort of does the work for us. And then there's, you know, a team that essentially takes the the final piece and then that kind of jumps into where that human element is needed to really kind of move the process forward and coordinate all the the other pieces of it. Um, In terms of news in in the industry, I mean, obviously there's organizations, there's publications, LinkedIn. What is your sort of go-to place to kind of get a pulse of, what's going on
1: out there i usually go to two um aappr is is my main one that i'll go to and my entire team went through the fellowship program for that and then i'm on the board for onpr through oha and so um i use that as also uh, i'd say secondary means that a lot of my peers across the state of ohio get the network and have presenters and talk about the latest things going on and the challenges they have. But I would say those two are the two biggest for me. Are you going to Austin in, was that March? <laughs> I would love to go to Austin. We, uh, part, part of that budget, Jerry, is uh, some of our travel costs have been reduced. So I will not be right. attending in person. Then. Yeah.
0: What advice would you give for somebody both new in the industry and maybe more importantly, somebody who's looking to get into the industry. Obviously there's been a lot of layoffs and technology and other areas now. And you know, on LinkedIn, you're always seeing all these great things going on with healthcare. If somebody is sort of looking at this industry and thinking, how do I get into it? Is this for me? What advice would you have
1: for them? And specifically to physician recruitment, maybe physician APP recruitment? Yeah. Definitely. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, three of, of the last recruiters that I hired had zero recruitment experience, and I've learned over the years that it's the intangibles of the person I'm looking for, the intangibles uh, that they have when I meet with them, and what I mean by that is their listening skills, their communication skills, you know, learning a little bit more about their background, like I talked about, persistence and what their goals are. and things that they want to do. There's so many intangibles that you, I want to pick up on because then I turn it around and I say, it's my job to train them. It's my job to be that mentor at the beginning and get them up and running. And I personally believe if they have the intangibles for this business that probably you and I have seen over the years, then I absolutely feel like I can bring them into the business. And I feel comfortable to say that the last three that I've hired that have had zero experience and people looked at me and thought, you know, what are you doing? they're all doing fantastic. They're all doing fantastic. So, you know, I I think that you need to start talking individuals into the business. You really need to get into into whether it's third party or internal. You need to get into a department that has the support and really somebody that can help mentor you when you get in there. Because if you have those intangibles that I mentioned, there is no reason why you can't hit the ground running in this business. But again, it's not meant for everybody.
0: Right. Right. You know, it is another interesting thing with COVID is it sort of allowed and ushered in this work from home to where, like, I know even with our company now, we're all work from home. And what it's done is it allowed us to open up our talent pool, you know, because a lot of the different niches of recruiting tend to be centered in, you know, probably a handful of cities. And now we're able to really go anywhere and recruit people based on their skills and hunger versus, you know, are you located in Dallas or Atlanta or not? So that is one of the good things that's sort of come with COVID. Um, If you had a superpower as a recruiter where you could either say, I wanna have every email I send, it's open, every phone call I make, they're gonna pick it up, or maybe the ability to read your candidate's mind as you're sort of going through that process, which of those three would you take, or, or is there another one that maybe comes to mind that you think would even be better?
1: Gosh, you know, I would love to be able to read my candidate's mind because uh, <laughs> it would save a lot of time and, and, and money as to who, who we bring in and who we're spending all of our time on. You know, reading every email, uh, taking every phone call, I. To me, it's sometimes that's just the the odds and the ratios may end up landing out the same way anyway. So I, w- I would say reading a candidate's mind would be fantastic just to uh, at that point in time, you know, when you need to stop talking and focus on someone else or spend your energy and finances in another location. But that would be a fantastic superpower to have, Jerry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For not just recruiting. <laughs> so- <laughs> that's true. Um last
0: question I have is what recommendation would you have for the audience? And this can be a movie, a book, a restaurant, a podcast, a place to visit, any recommendation
1: for any reason and why? You know, my, my recommendation is this is if you're already in the business or whether you're wanting to get into it. Find out more about it you can never stop learning I was I was t- told that to my parents from the beginning you know learning never stops and I again I've been doing this a long time and when I have the opportunity to get on to a webinar visit and read through aapPR the chats or onPR or talk to individuals like yourself or others that I've talked to um, you could never stop picking up something new understanding the business maybe market trends of where it's going. I've picked up resources that I didn't even know existed that I've evaluated with my team and that we've ended up joining some of them or becoming members of it. So I would highly suggest that, A, if you're in the business, never stop learning, reaching out, and staying on top of the business from industry leaders like yourself. And or if you're not familiar with the business, learn it, talk, reach out to those that have experience, look at the associations, read up on it, and see if it's a threat for you or not. But never stop learning. Don't always think you have all the answers because it changes all the time. it's interesting
0: because I try to do that and looking at other industries because, you know, Mm -hmm. healthcare isn't the fastest moving. So a lot of times there'll be a new technology in another area and it sort of makes its way to recruiting. Just an example I have, I remember a few years ago, I was hearing about these, you know, geo-tracking and advertising this way and You could actually go in and, you know, for us again, because just the time and the cost of getting in front of people or getting in front of providers, there's actually tools now where you can say, okay, I need to recruit a urologist. I can't go to the Urology Association Conference this year. What I can do is literally go to that location, draw a geofence around it for that date, and then I can run ads to everybody at that location. So, it's it's a way that technology can allow you to get in front of the people you want to get in front of at scale that, I, you know, I don't see that sort of going around in the physician recruiting world, but I've seen it in other areas and kind of applied it to this. So, I, I completely agree. There's always something new out there, and I think every year things just become, you know, faster and faster, and, you know, the more you can kind of take things from another area and apply it to ours, I, think it's a great way to, you know, get a leg up on the competition.
1: You know, I agree, and and just to tag tag on to what you just said too, the one thing that I learned in this business early on, and I don't even know if this cliche still exists today for our business, but you know, I was always told from the beginning, time kills all deals, and you've got to be on top of these resources, and you've got to be out there, and you've got to be try, you know, try to be one of the first individuals you're talking. Sometimes they want to. You know, physicians or APPs want to wait till they've talked to everybody or go to the end. But I can tell you, the competition's steep and they're really trying to push individuals to sign sooner. So, you know, I always remember time kills all deals. So the, the faster you stay up on the industry resources and how to get in contact with these candidates, the better off you are. So
0: I used to train recruiters at my previous company. And one of the things that was always frustrating to me is you'd have a candidate on the phone and you would be explaining a job to them, and they, you know, seemingly liked everything about it, but then they would ask a question like, well, what is the EMR? And if the recruiter didn't know, they would say, okay, well, let me find out, and I'll get back to you. Well, you know how that goes. They've got to go reach out to the client, get an answer, go back to the provider. You lose a couple days in doing that. So I would always train people to say, okay, well, you know, Mr. Provider, Mrs. Provider, if everything else about the job makes sense, and it's just the EMR that you're having question. Is there an EMR that you won't use? If there is, I'll find out. And if it's not that EMR, then why don't we go ahead and and get you you know presented for this opportunity? So it's little things like that because there's so much competition. It's so hard to get a hold of these providers. There, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like to have, be a provider with your email and your phone and constantly you know, you have hospitals, firms, locums, perm, everybody's going after you. If you've got somebody on the line, you've got to do everything you can to keep that process moving and and get it
1: going. So just my thought. You know, when, when we talk to our own residents, they, that's the one thing they tell us is they have so many emails coming to them half the time. They don't even look at them because they don't even have the way they don't have time. And there's so many, they just delete them. And so you know how you get your foot in the door, and you start talking to them. You might have one shot; and you got to make the most of it. Yeah,
0: and it could be things that they love, but it's it's just like us, right? I mean, if if I read every single email I got, I would spend all day just looking at things that are interesting, and you'd never get anything done. So, exactly, well, exactly. Eric, I really appreciate you being with us today. For um, a lot of great stuff, obviously, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of people, but very few have had your level of experience. So. I think to be able to kind of talk about that and how things have changed and how we should really be grateful for the tools that we have now, because it wasn't always that way. I think it's been fantastic. Um, Really appreciate again, you being with us. Love to have you on maybe in a future episode. And um, other than that, really just thank you for your time. And it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely.